take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. I'm excited that we are here today for our latest episode of Field Preachers, uh, which is also a Zoom webinar. I'm Rachel Gilmore, the Director of Recruiting, Assessment, and Training for Church Planting at Path One Discipleship Ministries here in Nashville. And I am so excited to welcome today's guests. We have Shannon Kaiser and uh, Mitch. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit more about you, where you're living, what you're doing, your connection to Fresh Expressions U.S.? Well, my name is Shannon Kaiser, and I am the Director of Training for Fresh Expressions. I um, find myself in this um, uh, in this season with Fresh Expressions. I used to be part of the um, organization that's kind of like the Path One organization for Presbyterians um, called New Worshiping Communities, and um, I worked with um, within that. Um, uh, mission, part of the mission agency um, prior to coming to Fresh Expressions. And um, what brought me to Fresh Expressions was really feeling like um, we were doing a good job of connecting with clergy and giving them a picture for what missional ministry could look like um, and what church planting could look like. Um, uh, but we were we're not really deploying lay people um, for this kind of ministry. And so I felt like that was something Fresh Expressions was paying attention to. And that sort of how that, that began my journey towards Fresh Expressions. What I love about being in this space is that I get to, um, I get to know entrepreneurial leaders and um, share and this sort of spirit-filled vision for the church across denominations, which has been really, really fun. Um, I think um, a thing that you, it might be helpful that you know about me is that I also am a pastor on staff with a, a, a church that is constantly experimenting and reiterating. So we were a church plant 20 years ago. Um, and then as the neighborhood changed, we um, began a, a, a Spanish-speaking ministry that ended up with the church ultimately chartering as one church that worships in two languages. Um, and that has opened the doors to, to some really um, interesting ministries. One of those is a fresh expression of church with day laborers. And so um, every week for... Um, almost 10 years now. Um, we've been um, in the parking lot at 7-Eleven um, and then ultimately gathering together for, um, for a hot meal and, uh, and a weekly worship, which now looks different in the COVID era. It's actually ramped up, not down. Um, uh, and then about three years ago, we did this crazy thing where we uh, partnered with a title company and purchased part of a building and we built out a coffee shop as the significant footprint of our part of the building. And so we've really been um, engaged in what does ministry look like, where we create a natural gathering place for just natural collisions to happen. And what does that, um, uh, what does that mean? And what, um, uh, what doors of relationship and connection um, does, does, does that give um, to us and what is God asking us to do with that? So um, that's just a small piece, but I think it's really important that you know that I'm a practitioner of this kind of ministry and not just a director of training. So Mitch. Hey, everyone. Uh, so I'm Mitch Marcello. I'm in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home of the Little League World Series, uh, which will not be happening this year. Um, but uh, I'm the director of something called the Axe Network. Uh, and uh, so like the Book of Axe, uh, not the body spray. And uh, and so um, so I am I am not I am not a pastor. Um, I went to school for music performance and I have been in full-time vocational ministry for 10 years now, um, originally in campus ministry. And, uh, and I'm currently studying my master's through Drexel for creativity and innovation. 
Um, and so the Axe Network right now has 13 fresh expressions that is that is part of uh, this network. It is attached or it's connected. It's or I should even say better language would be part of a larger inherited church. Uh, called First Church, uh, not a very original name. Uh, And so it's a Methodist congregation. And Pastor Matt Lake, uh, who is also on staff with Fresh Expressions, uh, is the lead pastor. And my job is basically to work with laity to go and create these Fresh Expressions, um, whether it's dinner church experiences, Um, We have a fresh expression in a nursing home now, uh, fresh expression, a form of worship on a rugby field, um, in people's homes, uh, a college ministry that worships in a coffee shop um, uh, connected to a lot of international students, um, uh, to if gatherings, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we've had a lot of uh, experiments and a lot of, uh, of these groups that have started and stopped. And so even though there are 13, we have uh, in total, I believe, had 27 that have started and 13 that continue. Just to let, give you a bigger picture of not every single one that we have started has uh, either uh, continued or found its uh, proper footing uh, over time. So um, that's, that's me, I guess, in a nutshell and for this conversation. That's great. Well, for those people, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of us are really familiar with fresh expressions and, and what that means. But for people who are not sure what that term means, what's a quick definition of a fresh expression? So a fresh expression of church is a form of church that is meant to connect with people who are not uh, a a member or a participator in any congregation. It's meant for people who are not likely to walk through any church door, no matter how great its programs or its um, worship experience. There's just, for whatever reason, a disconnect. Um, and it, it, it goes, um, it, it goes out into networks, needs, neighborhoods, and, um, and, and lives out an incarnational, incarnational presence, um, in and among the people it's seeking to serve. And then the form of church that emerges, makes sense, connects, resonates, is relatable within that culture or context. So, um, so that's just the, the, the basic definition of a fresh expression. Right. Um, so with that being said, I love it, love the movement, and I love that you shared examples of fresh expressions, you know, in coffee shops or homes or rugby fields, nursing homes. Can you start an online fresh expression? Like, how do you do that? How do you meet people? What would that process look like um, during the season of COVID and beyond? Go ahead, Mitch. You can start. <laughs> um, well, I, the answer is yes. Uh, and so, the uh, can you? And, uh, and what it looks like, uh, just like we offered a lot of, a number of different uh, examples of what a fresh expression can look like. It would be the same online. Um, uh, it can look and feel uh, different, especially as it as it forms around the certain context or the population that you're seeking to connect with. Um, and so, it may if you're looking to connect with uh, individuals that have minimal internet connection uh, and maybe minimal. Uh, technology, uh, technological ability, it might look very different than if you're trying to connect with uh, a bunch of teenagers that can, that know how know how to do it. Um, and so there's, uh, uh, it's a, uh, what it looks like and, uh, and how we get to that point varies, but there's some principles, I think, that help us get to that, get there. Um, we, we, uh, the framework, I don't know if anybody or, or if people here are familiar with the framework of fresh expressions, 
but there are these circles that we talk about, and they're not necessarily steps. Um, so, but uh, there is this framework of fresh expressions and how we encourage people to start thinking about it. And so we would start first by listening, um, really taking a posture of empathy and a posture of, of listening to get to know where the sore spots are, where people that we naturally connect with are. And that would look similar on, in the online world as well. Where are, where are people um, that we naturally have a connection to, um, that it's not like I'm getting into the virtual context and just uh, throwing something out there. After we listen, we would move into loving and serving. And so once we have listened to the context, listened to the people, then we would ask the question, what does it mean to love and serve? And I guess that in this way, what does it mean to love and serve in a, in a virtual context? Maybe there's a bunch of toxic streamers and you just need to bring love into that. Or maybe there's a political uh, conversation that we can bring Christ into that place uh, in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, after loving and serving, uh, building community, after building community, exploring discipleship, and through just, as we explore discipleship, a church starts to form around that. Uh, and so there are different examples of what this looks like, whether it's dinner church models, which is a, uh, and really translating that online, uh, or, or house worship, uh, like a, a kind of a formula between the two. Um, there are groups that now have started that, uh, that allow us to connect with a new group. Um, so maybe some social hours is through the city. Um, I've seen that uh, played around with. I don't know to what degree it's been successful or not, um, but as a way to connect with new people, um, as people have been lonely and isolated throughout this. Um, so the options are endless. Uh, I think our imagination, our creativity really spurs us towards that. This idea that we're called to cultivate all of creation um, moves Christians or should move Christians to go and explore and be curious about the possibilities that are in front of us. Um, I'll pause there and let Shannon uh, uh, add whatever thoughts are run through her mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's the bigger question, which is really, what does it look like to cultivate relationships of any kind in this uh, COVID era, right? And so one sphere of that is the digital sphere. Um, I, I, I think right now, uh, you know, there was a time where that was the only sphere we really had. Um, but as, as the guidelines and regulations are looking different over time, I, I don't think that's the only sphere we want to look at. I think we want to look at it as one sphere, um, but there's the analog reality too. And I think thinking about that in terms of um, in-person type of relationship building in this pandemic era, and particularly the small versus the large, you know, are going to be other components. But if you're thinking specifically about the digital sphere, there's two ways to think about engaging in relationship. One is participating in what already exists and taking opportunities to connect and deepen relationships through participation in what is. And the other is, is to develop something that might not exist yet. And so what, what would that be? And how would you connect um, that possibility and opportunity in a, in a broad way so that people know that it even exists so that they can participate. Um, and so, so, so just as, as in a, in an analog world, you would either participate or foster new, um, uh, experiences. It's the same thing on the digital realm. So is there a difference or um, different techniques that we should use when we're trying to get to know people that we're meeting in these virtual spaces um, better? Like, is it hard to cultivate relationships when it's only online, depending on the restrictions of wherever you live? It's a great question. I mean, if there's a reality that we live in, uh, we're moving away from living in a uh, consumeristic culture. Now, 
in more towards a participatory culture in the, in the sense of, if you think about Facebook, right? Or if you think, if you know what Reddit is, or you know what Discord or Instagram, social media, um, uh, in a lot of video games. But if you think of, think of it in that light, um, we live in, we're increasingly in this participatory culture where more and more individuals are able to create content. So in the sense that at, at one point, it was a small amount of people creating content that a large amount of people would consume. Now, with, uh, with something like Facebook, you can go and create, whether it's a post or you can uh, do a video or uh, Snapchat, you can go and record yourself. And in, in, in essence, you're creating content. Um, so we're, we're moving in that direction more and more as a society, as a world, because of the tools that we have at our fingertips, uh, which uh, that, that unlocks, I think, a larger conversation. Um, but, but it is difficult to, to I mean, it's difficult to, to foster deep, meaningful relationships in person. <laughs> um, it's also difficult to foster uh, deep, meaningful relationships virtually. And so um, as uh, there is this physical context. Now, I, I would say that we don't, we don't want to diminish the, uh, what an online connection uh, really allows for. And we look at examples. Um, again, if you look at, at, at video games or if you look at online communities on Facebook, there are deep and meaningful relationships that exist in these spaces. So, so um, the reason I lift that up is that it's helpful for us to understand, and, uh, so we don't don't diminish uh, how deep relationships can truly be, um, and how we connect can con- connect uh, globally, how we can connect um, across uh, bar- uh, what used to be barriers, but now there's an opportunity to connect outside of a local context and really form a community that wasn't possible before. Um, we have a community that gets together Tuesday nights and we have people in that, which didn't exist before COVID, um, but exists now. And we have people from Virginia, from Florida, um, from Pennsylvania. Uh, and so, so we have an ability to do something that, that simply, uh, didn't exist. And I would say that that's one of the most edifying, uh, spiritual places that I personally get to experience on my weekly basis. That's great. So a, a question for you, Shannon, or, or Mitch, or either kind of along those lines where you're mentioning that you have people from out of state now who are connecting with your fresh expression. Let's say that there are church planters or pastors right now who are excited about trying this fresh expression thing. So they might try a gathering in a dog park or in a pub or tattoo parlor what, on a rugby field. Um, if a wave of COVID comes back in the fall, like they're predicting and everything kind of goes on lockdown again for an amount of time, what have you learned, you know, at the national level with what you're hearing from other pioneers in the field about certain types of fresh expressions that do well converting to a virtual platform and which ones find it a little more difficult or awkward or what platforms are they using, you know, in the dog park when you can't go there anymore is it working to Zoom with your dogs together? Can you tell us what you're hearing, what you're learning, so that folks who start them up are starting ones that are really versatile and can adapt quickly to a, a virtual space? So this listening piece is really important because everything is going to be related to the context. And um, so, so I would say that the, the, the fresh expressions that are making the digital transfer are making it not so much about the technicality of it, but getting back to the why. Going back to why did we start doing this in the first place? What was it about what we were doing originally that led us to gather in the dog park, that led us to gather in the, in the brew pub or whatever that was? And now what would it look like given the, the, the um, parameters that we must live in now? What would it look like to, to live out that why um, thoughtfully, intentionally, and faithfully in what is. So, so I think 
that's the most important question. The technical stuff, I know that you're, I know that people are like, well, give us a technical answer. And, and I'm happy to give you a few examples, but at the end of the day, it's not really ultimately as, as much of a technical issue as getting back to the heart of what you were doing. Because if it really is just about keeping your numbers up or it's about like, uh, it, it, it can easily be a manipulation if you don't get back to the real depth of the why we're doing this in the first place. Um, so, so that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is the people who have been, uh, who have found it hardest to make the transition are those that didn't have any, um, any, they done none, uh, no tracking work of like contact information. So they had these relationships with people they didn't have necessarily close access to or their contact information. And so, for instance, a dinner church, people were coming and sitting around the dinner table but there was, they were not necessarily getting their contact information. Well, then when they started doing takeout meals, they had no way to reach out to those folks and say, hey, we'd love to see you in the parking lot. So if, if you're thinking now about being prepared for, you know, reaching out in a different way later on, you, you might want to be thinking about how, how can you connect if your face-to-face gathering got cut off. Um, The people who have been making the transition into the digital spaces have done it all kinds of ways. Um, Sometimes it's just um, uh, a Facebook group. Um, Sometimes it's uh, live Zoom meetings. Sometimes... um, I mean, in our, in our setting, we have been really connecting with young families who can't gather at the coffee shop anymore. We did it through a photo scavenger hunt, which was sort of a hybrid digital in-person, uh, but socially distanced type of event that reconnected people that then we could use that as a, as a um beginning point for some ongoing digital connection in groups. So I think just the more creative we can be, if we can get back to the why, we can figure out the technical pieces. And if we have access to people, connection with people, um, we can communicate how we're pivoting. I love that. That's an amazing answer. So Mitch, how would that apply? You shared that you have one or multiple fresh expressions that are now reaching people out of state is your plan at some point to gather again in person? And then what does that mean for the folks that you have found digitally or will there be a hybrid? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, we've, that, yeah, that's a great question. We're, we did a, uh, uh, like a outside backyard worship experience, like social distance worship experience, um, this past, uh, Sunday. Um, and so we're starting to move somewhat in that direction, even with, um, we've, uh, our dinner church experience on Monday evenings. And so tonight at five, we, uh, we, it's now gotten to the point where we do a social distance Bible study, or it's more like a devotion right now, but that's, that's been part of that growth, um, that way. Now on a larger context, um, to answer your question about what are we, you know, these people, um, that we're connecting with uh, digitally, uh, virtually. How are we going to continue fostering that? Um, and that's that's uh, something that uh, I don't have all the answers to, but I will say that that uh, we have kind of operated in. So our language that we use at First Church is that we have the gathered and the sent, and we talk about it like breathing in and breathing out. Um, that that we need to breathe in and we need to breathe out to be the church. We need to be both gathered and sent to be the church. And for us, it's been a process to learn how not just to be gathered. Um, We've been a very attractional church for a very long time. And so for our DNA and our cultural values inside of our church to shift, that's that's um, 
taken years for us to to really start understanding that to a larger degree. Now, we've talked about gathered and sent, but we've really um, assumed that's only meant physically. So gathered physically, sent physically. We're now acquiring the thought process of how are we both gathered and sent physically and digitally, even to the due extent that every single ministry area, we're challenging them to think about what does it look like for their ministry area to not only have a physical um, presence, not just have a uh, 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 or a uh, gathered presence, but also a sent presence, both physically and digitally. And so we're actually working that into job descriptions. We're starting that conversation. Um, we are we are starting to prioritize that as a church as a whole. Um, and so we're really at the beginning of that. And we've even started conversations about what would it look like for us that this we have a higher quality um, uh, virtual experience on Sunday mornings. Um, what just like many churches uh, do at this point. And so continuing that to the degree that will not um, that will that will allow us to continue to, to connect with the people on Sunday morning that we've connected with, um, but also so we can offer that to people uh, moving forward. So uh, it's the beginning of that answer. Um, and there's I know there's different points to that, but I would I would encourage anybody to think along those same lines. Um, that if you if you're a church planter and you um, as many of you here maybe think about what it looks like you for your church to be both gathered both sent as well as start um, challenging your brain your congregation to think about that both physically and digitally that's amazing and so I have another question it might be too early in this process for either of you to answer this but I'm gonna ask anyways in in hopes that we can all be enlightened um, from what you've learned but if someone feels a deep calling to reach out as you said in in those digital spaces and to really be sent and and to start new expressions of faith and church out there from a fresh expressions training level, would the way that you equip online pioneers or digital pioneers differ from how, you, I mean, I went through a learning day, you know, how you would do it in person? Will that be a different training or is it the, the same concepts of listening and loving and serving? Take it away, director of training. <laughs> <laughs> they're the same principles, whether they're in the digital sphere or in the analog sphere. Um, it's still about how do you love people? How do you love the world like Jesus loves the world? How do you pay attention to what assets you have, like in your sphere? What are the natural connecting points? Who are the people of peace? What are the um, intersections of shared passion? What are you already participating in? How do you engage in that in ways where you really do... um, uh, foster friendships, real friendships, not targets for my thing. And, 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 and that's what we have to be super careful about because as we are, we get this sense of urgency in our ministry, right? Like we're trying to do this important thing and, um, and then we don't do the work of really developing the friendships and, um, and, and loving and serving in ways that really connect us. Um, not just we're drive by and doing these things for people, but we're really engaging with in such a way that there's deep relationship that's forming. And then what can come out of that is pretty significant. So the same thing is going to happen in the digital sphere, right? You're not, there's not like a different um, heartbeat for what's happening online. It's just, you're going to have to think about, you're going to think creatively about how to be in those space, spaces connecting with people where they are. And yeah. there's going to have to be some natural intersection points because you don't want to be a Zoom bomber. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's, that, that's not going to do much for your ministry. So um, what does it look like to connect authentically and deeply in that same heartbeat that you would in person? 
Uh, Paul Nixon was my church planning coach for the first two years and as a director of the Axe Network. And I'll, I'll give you, and I know he's connected with Path One. Yeah. My, uh, the, uh, um, but I'll give you the advice that he gave me digitally. And I, it's, it served me well, um, is, is that when we think about what churches normally do in the digital sphere, we normally think um, uh, it's normally an invitation into the gathered setting. Um, and so like when I think about what resources and what is normally put out there, it's usually content or blogs or things to read or consider, or it's, um, it's invitations into that gathered setting. And his encouragement or his challenge was, uh, what, Mitch, what does it look like for you to exist in a space online? And that question is something that we are, I think, as, as a body of Christ, just starting to like, scratch the surface of. How do we, you know, if we talk about incarnational ministry, which is what we talk a lot about with Fresh Expressions, how do we go, and as Shannon was talking about, how do we not just show up and have a random presence and have targets, but online, how do we enter into spaces and dwell in these spaces online um, so that we can build meaningful relationships, not just invite them into a thing, not in, in its, um, I think we're so new into this thought process and COVID has, has forced our hand to really start paying attention to it. Um, I think it's, it's a matter of, like, if anybody tells you they have, they know how to do it, I would say baloney. Um, and so I think the only thing we can do is just go in with a posture of listening, a posture of experimentation at this point, and patience um, and, and faithfulness um, as a body of believers. And as we do that, we'll, we'll start seeing relationships build and this process that Shannon ha um, has lifted up, uh, we'll, we'll start seeing that lived out in an online, in an online spaces that way. Yeah, let me give you, I don't know if it'd be helpful, Rachel, but just to give you a practical example, like I've been working with a couple of um, Methodist church planters who um, really were just in the very early stages. They, they don't live in the community and they were just beginning to start to form a few relationships with some some community leaders and, and a few business owners. And then covid you know, kind of came in and, and, and quote, shut it all down. Right. So we're, we've been trying to imagine together, well, what does it look like to form relationships in this COVID era where you're just in the beginning stages of this mission and this community? So one of the things we talked about was, okay, if, if, if what you really are about, if, 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 what you were trying to do in person was be a blessing in the community. What would that look like on social media? So we began to imagine like, well, how could you like give shout outs to business owners and people in the community doing hard things? And, um, and they had already developed a real, an in-person relationship with the local, um, first responders. So they were able to do kind of, uh, a pizza thing for, um, for, for, for first responders. But, but really it was about how do we participate in lifting up what's happening in the community that's true and beautiful and good. Um, and then separately, we started imagining, okay, so that's an online sphere and they're working on websites and blah, 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 like the normal things that you would do in a church plant. But on the other hand, we began to imagine, and what could we do in a parking lot? And so we were doing both of these things. How do we participate in, um, in blessing and celebrating some wonderful things happening in the community? And how do, what could we do in a parking lot that would serve and love this community? And asking both of those questions in tandem you know, we just ideated and came up with a whole like list of things you could do in a parking lot. They won't do all of them, but when you are thinking the in the both and sphere 
and you're thinking about why you're doing what you're doing and you really are trying to be a blessing and not hurry up and get people to my thing, there's tons of ways to really start getting out there and continuing to do the work. I love that. And it's a reminder of that. Why? Like, why are we gathered here? And then looking at your context. So yeah, how could you use a parking lot in a myriad of ways to help encourage people and bless them? So I love that example. That's amazing. Um, Have you seen or heard of any examples of what the sacraments look like in Digital Fresh Expressions? I was on a call last week with some church planters who said they're just waiting for their first virtual baptism where they do all the words of institution and then a friend will put the water on them. Does that make your skin crawl? Does that excite you? What would be your thoughts or instructions for people trying to figure out what digital sacramental life looks like in these communities? The, uh, I think I th- with the exception of Shannon, I think we're all Methodist. And so, um, <laughs> so uh, welcome, welcome Shannon. Uh, the, uh, um, but the, so I, the, at least locally or in our conference, um, communion has been where we've been able to do that. Our bishop has allowed us to, to do communion. And so uh, that idea, um, I don't think is over is foreign. I think maybe six or eight months ago, that might've sounded very different than it does today. Um, But I, I, one of my encouragements is to think about uh, the original circuit riders of uh, the Methodist faith. And so this past Sunday, um, when we were together for worship, uh, we had uh, Pastor Matt came and did communion, and he just kind of, you know, uh, almost like a modern day uh, circuit rider. That that if there is more of a local context, that there could be moments where uh, if you as the pastor might show up occasionally to do that, um, or you know, we're able to bless the elements and deliver. Now, if it's over virtually where there's physical space isn't possible. I think we're, I, I mean, I believe most, most peak Methodists are okay, at least with communion. Now, baptism, I can't necessarily speak to that. Um, and so I would leave that up to uh, that conversation to those who uh, sit in a different position than myself. But I, I would, I would take advantage of this. And there's this idea of divine accommodation uh, throughout history that, that God accommodates us uh, amidst our circumstances. And that's historically, you know, there was a moment in time where we were asking the question, do we move into a church building? Right? Now we're asking, well, do we move out of it? Right? (laughs) Um, But God accommodates us despite our sinful nature, despite our circumstances, um, all throughout history. That's who God is. And so, at least part of how I answer that as, as, as far as communion is this, is this idea of, well, in the midst of quarantine, in the midst of, of this pandemic, God once again accommodates us through his divine being um, over space, over time. Now, uh, again, theologians can debate that, and I would listen, but. <laughs> I, and I would say uh, there's a few things, you know, that I, I think would be important here, even though I'm not in the Methodist sphere, although my heart is becoming strangely warmed over time with all of these Methodist friends. Um, but I know that the, the, um, there are different bishops in different regions of the country that, that, that would look at this differently. But by and large, I think that um, in most arenas, people are trying to be creative, recognizing that we um, live in a different reality right now. And so the regulations that were meant um, to really set this apart as holy, right, have to be have to transform a little bit based on where we find ourselves. I, I think the um, I think when when we pay attention to the um, experience of the exiles um, in Scripture, it just reminds us like, what does it mean to be faithful in a whole different reality? I think we're as a church, we're having to you know navigate what that looks like in in our scenario now. Like, what does it look like to be the church in this whole different reality? And so, I think 
there have been some shifts on some of the parameters, uh, the the guardrails around some of the sacraments. Um, uh, so, So I think there's a lot more creativity and a lot more permission than ever before in the landscape of the church. So that's great news for Fresh Expressions leaders because um, there's, a, there's a little bit more space and a little bit more room that did not exist before. Um, the other thing I would say is, is that there's the sacraments and there's opportunities to be sacramental. And, and if the guardrails around the sacraments are really um, stringent, there's still lots of ways to be sacramental and to live out rituals that give expression to these inward things that are happening. So um, there's lots of ways to think about how you do this in ways that are contextual. So for instance, in a fresh expression among motorcycle enthusiasts, when somebody stepped forward and said, you know, like, I think I want to move towards this Jesus at the Harley place, they would ring the bell because that's what you do when you purchase a new bike. So that wasn't like the pouring of water and the going through the liturgy, but it was a ritual that their group went through together to mark something significant that was happening. And I think there's lots of ways for us to take everyday realities and to create thin spaces so that there's like a demarcation of something significant and holy that's happening here. And we can develop um, uh, ways in our communities where we can live out some significant rituals, even if the guardrails are pretty tight around what the sacraments look like. I don't know if that's helpful. That is, that is helpful. And, you know, I think it's important because there are a lot of Methodists on here, but think about the fact that we are connectional. So maybe if there are stringent guidelines and someone's connecting to your faith community that lives 5,000 miles away, there's probably a Methodist pastor in their neighborhood who could take up that circuit or help in some way um, and still be part of, we are one church. And so working together and getting along and innovating together is probably in our best interest. So I love that. All of your suggestions, tips, um, are very, very helpful. And you're right, this is a time where there's more permission. So take that authority and get out there and um, build up the kingdom of God. A question, another, I have like two more questions. And then if anyone out there listening has questions for Shannon or Mitch, um, type those in the chat so that I can um, ask them here momentarily. But a question I've been getting is that Barna Research, I guess they came out with a poll in the last week or two that said, 48% of active churchgoers have not live streamed a worship service on Sunday or even watched it later at all. So while they might be reaching more new people, their regulars, their good faithfuls have like left the building virtually as well. Are you seeing that in fresh expressions or what does engagement look like from your most faithful um, leaders of those gatherings. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, I don't know what the uh, attendance was for, uh, at the beginning of these webinars for you. I'm willing to bet it was larger though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, and we don't take that personally. Uh, it, I think there, Zoom fatigue is, is real. Uh, it's, it's a thing. And, uh, and so I think church, church members, and I've seen it in the fresh expressions that we've, we've had. And I, I, I just think that, that, and I think studies have also shown that it's, it's more exhausting. It's uh, more tiresome to be focusing on a computer screen. And there's so much digital in our lives right now. Um, so there is a balance and, um, that I think we're going to need to find moving forward. and so, uh, so I, I guess the reason I say that is I, I think it's it's just understandable, and I think it's uh, it's expected um, that that our regular uh, churchgoers have in some way che- some ways checked out. And I think also um, one of the realizations for me personally is that this has been a time for self reflection, self like to really ask myself like um, questions that that 
challenge my personal faith and prayer life and living out of the gospel. Um, and so I wouldn't be so surprised if our congregants are experiencing that dynamic as well, um, where they may not be connecting and finding that connection online, but they're really finding ways to be in prayer or meditation or in service of their neighborhood um, in the midst of this. So I, I guess I wouldn't be overly worried about those statistics. I think it's understandable personally, um, uh, but that's just my perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think there's definitely content overload. Um, I think that uh, there's um, a lot of people who have, um, uh, well, let me, let me just say this. I think early on in the pandemic, um, it was a completely new experience, and we were all viscerally aware of our mortality, um, which drove people to um, kind of a spiritual openness. Um, that is lessening right now, sort of the, 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 the presentness of our mortality doesn't feel as significant as it did two months ago. Um, and now that doesn't mean it's, it, it's not doesn't still exist or that we are, you know, just kind of falling back into sort of this, let's all pretend everything's okay. But I think that the prevailing sentiment is it doesn't feel as pressing. And so I I think that is one of the reasons why we're seeing a little bit lessening. I think um, Zoom fatigue and just tired of being online and watching content is another thing. I think that those who are going to continue to engage are there either because the content is really connecting with them um, or they are able to participate in such a way that it is meaningful. And I think that the, 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 the last thing I would say is we have to recognize that for a while, um, people were ca- almost like a captive audience. Like they're, <laughs> everybody was stuck at home and there wasn't anything else to do. Well, guess what? There's a lot of other things else to do right now. And so we're back in that space where like we are one of many things that people can or cannot choose to do. And, um, and, and there's a lot of um, competing um, voices and opportunities. And so I think what we then have to remember is how is that what we're doing? How is it meant to love and serve and connect with people where they are um, and where they are experiencing these felt needs? And then we're more likely to have an ongoing relationship versus a blip and then they've moved on. One of my one of my anticipations uh, is that and what we're seeing is is globalization has somewhat been shut down. Like I mean, just overall, not necessarily a, a lot because of trade routes and and borders. But there's the reason I say that is that there's a call back to local, and I believe as we start moving forward, churches need to be thinking locally. Um, and, and what it means to bless local communities. And, um, and throughout this time, we've encouraged congregants to think of their neighborhoods, that local context that they could impact. It's going to, it's going to broaden out, and we're going to be challenged to think, what does it mean to think locally in a slightly larger sphere? And that, I believe, will last for some time. People are going to look for that local connection as well as we start um, uh, becoming a little bit more migrant and uh, fluid as far as movement goes uh, in the coming months, coming years then. Um, but I, I would pay attention, especially uh, pastors and church planners, what does it mean to be heavily involved in, a lo- in your local context, um, to be blessing businesses? finding places where there's hurt, and then simultaneously having this digital conversation um, and what it means to have almost a local context digitally so you have that relational capacity as well. Mm. Yeah, I was having a, I was on a Zoom call earlier today with another group of church planters, and one of them said that this past week has been really interesting because while all of us are noticing less and less engagement, perhaps in our digital ministries, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic and tens of thousands of people over 
all over the world have come out in the last week um, for protests and rallies, you know, mostly peaceful. And thinking through that, they were like, wow, what if the church gave people something worth showing up to? They might show up even in the midst of a pandemic. It's something that they feel matters that could change and transform lives. So a lot of it is about, you know, our messaging. Are we communicating with people what difference it would make if they were in a fresh expression, a church where they felt that they could belong without walking into a building with a steeple. So, right. Are we participating in what's happening in our communities in such a way that, you know, what, what the conversations and the experiences we're inviting people into have a connection with where we've been with people on the ground locally? Yeah. And, and there's, we have so, we have so access to so much information on a world context, but I, I'm a firm believer and there's like, there's education conversations about like, how do we, how do we like global, uh, citizens, global citizenship issues and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm a firm believer that, and if how we impact these, the global conversation is by firmly acting locally. Um, it, it's overwhelming to think about some of these issues, but having, having the church um, be part of, of a local movement, ta- taking a stand, showing compassion, showing empathy and love and showing Jesus Christ. Um, that's uh, because I know personally, I, I have found myself feeling overwhelmed with uh, with some of these things and reminding myself, well, uh, and challenging myself, how do we, how do I encourage these fresh expressions to be thinking locally so that we have an impact globally? That's great. Um, well, we only have a few minutes left, but I have a few questions. So I'm hoping we can tackle um, all of these. Someone asked, uh, either of you, both of you can respond. Have you found social media being a essential ministry to support fresh expressions, like publicizing your coffee house ministry. In what ways do you use social media as a platform where you're gathering? And in what ways do you use it um, to get the message out about who you are and, and how you're gathering folks? I think uh, social media is important to be used in multifacets. If all you're ever doing is inviting people to your thing, you're really only going to connect with a small um, slice of people, and you're um, you're going to sound like an ongoing commercial um, because that's what you are. And so, I think as you think about social media, I think you've got to think about how am I using social media in a way that is a signpost to the kingdom? <laughs> am, I, am I being a blessing to my community? Am I um, offering uh, anything out there that um, it adds uh, value and love into the world? Am I, um, a- am, I, uh, am I developing, what kind of reputation am I developing as I'm engaging on social media? How am I facilitating some connecting and participating and a sense of community even there. So let me give you the coffee shop for an example. Uh, Yes, we put out there, hey, we're reopening for takeout only. Um, But at the same time, uh, while we were closed down, we were sending out messages of, hey, we really miss our customers that we used to see every day. Hope you're doing well. Or, hey, um, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, have a, a drawing for, um, uh, we'll take a couple of your favorite coffees out within driving distance from the place. Um, we just love to hear what your favorite coffee drink is. And then we did this whole like connecting and Facebook Live and kind of thing just to let our customers know, hey, like we're thinking of you. We we pivoted our day laborer fresh expression to become a uh, feeding ministry, and so now instead of being there once a week, we're there three times a week, giving out um, lunch and dinner, and connecting and hearing stories about kind of what day to day life is like for people who are struggling to find work and who are food insecure. We rehired our 
um, our coffee shop employees while the coffee shop was shut down. So now instead of making drinks, they were making the, the, the meals for our day labor ministry. Um, and so when we let the community know, hey, we're doing that, that was information. We invited participation. Hey, if you love this, we would, you know, there's ways for you to support it. Or we, um, we just want you to know that this building is not empty, that this thing is happening. And it, and it just facilitated lots of participation and connection um, and actually support. So there's ways to use social media that's not just inform and invite, but to connect, to impassion, to involve, and uh, to celebrate. And to tell stories. If I had to give a recipe, I would say give, 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 ask, and then repeat. Give, 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 ask. And so on your social media presence, if if it's ask, 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 like invite, 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 uh, you know, you're just going to be that that uh, uh, constant advertisement. So find ways to give on your social media. It's a tool. Um, I wouldn't think of it. You you can make it an effective tool, or it could be a useless tool. And so. so make sure you're finding ways to give and to bless um, through it. And some people will put together kind of like a weekly calendar to help them to, to do exactly what Mitch just talked about so that it kind of weans you off of your sense that you've got to go in there and ask all the time. It kind of helps you organize for that. And then it lessens and streamlines the amount of time you spend doing it. Yes. Hootsuite is your friend, right? Find whatever it is that helps you schedule your social media activity. Thank you guys. That's wonderful. Okay. So two um, final questions. One is, let's say you have a fresh expression and uh, things all shut down. And so you have to figure out a way to keep gathering people, but half of your fresh expression are more analog folks, you know, boomers and beyond, and the other half are younger. What do you do? Do you create two separate spaces? Does everyone go analog? It's man, if uh, it depends, man, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm sorry. It's a context thing. Um, I could see, I could see it working either way. Um, If, if, if there are, I would, I would just say experiment, you know, uh, um, again, I will, I'll, I'll share with you a piece of advice that Paul Nixon again, that I kept with me from Paul. Um, is that he encouraged me at the beginning of uh, my work with the Axe Network to start as many of these as I could, um, and, uh, and th- which felt very counterintuitive uh, to what I thought I should be doing. I thought I should start like one or two and do it as well as I could so I could share that story. And he said, don't do that. He said, start as many as you could. And, and honestly, I was like, that's wrong. But I, I listened to him. And so uh, six of them started and pretty quickly, three of them failed, but three of them kept going. And, and so I think with that question, I would give yourself permission to try something out and let it fail. Um, you know, embrace being vulnerable, embrace the ability to try something and it not working. It's going to be okay. And so if you have a group of people and you say, we're going to try this for two weeks, um, then we're going to step back and reassess. Um, In ministry for a very long time, I had the mentality that if I started something, it needed to last for 48 years. And if it didn't, I was somehow the worst uh, person in ministry ever. That's paralyzing. It's debilitating. And so with that, uh, I I would say try whatever you think is the best uh, um, solution and experiment and give yourself permission to tinker around with it. And I would say that you don't have to solve that, pro- that, that question by yourself. It would be super important for you to involve some of the people um, who, uh, who, who are not going to gather online and who are uh, who are going together online, it would be important for you to have some conversations with both of those sets of people and just cultivate ideas from them. What ideas do you have? Like you don't have to be the sole one asking this question and coming up with the right answer. 
And if you have other people help you shape the possibilities, they're more likely to be invested in what you're doing anyway. So take the time to have some of those conversations and pool the ideas, collaborate some ideas, and then pick among those. That's great. Thank you, guys. Okay, last question. Um, A lot of church planters are looking at launching or relaunching their faith community in more of a house church format, kind of like you mentioned, Mitch, you know, backyard worship. So it's safer. You can social distance. You're outside. Any tips for that? Like, do you break bread together? Is sharing food scary? Do you sing? What what are you trying and experimenting with now? So where is my, I have an order of worship, which if you knew me better, you would know that's ridiculous that I did that. Um, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon, stop it. Stop, stop laughing. All right. So I did an order of worship. And uh, um, now uh, for the time being, we don't, we didn't sing. So um, I'll just, I'll just recall it because uh, I don't want to get up and leave. But basically um, I was in front of my grill and we have like this slanted backyard. People brought their blankets and they came half an hour before they found a spot um, on the grass. Um, people were chatting. I had music going on. Um, uh, and so in, in just welcoming people, I asked everybody to bring their own coffee or tea. Um, and so they brought it with them. Uh, and then I did an introduction, um, just welcoming people at, so I came out and hung out for half an hour. Um, and then I did an introduction. Um, we've read, I read poetry. Um, so Maya Angelou, Mary Oliver poems, you can, uh, we read, uh, scripture. Um, we share, it was very small church. We did joys and concerns. Like, you know, you know, if you want to share anything, I love that by the way, I just think it's delightful. And, uh, and, uh, I printed out, um, uh, nine different verses, uh, or scripture passages around, uh, justice and reconciliation. And we read them. And then because we have the resource from online, we just watched that sermon we already have that from our church. And so that was pre-recorded. Um, that's, that's the, what we've been doing. They record on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And, uh, so we have a resource of a sermon. So we just don't watch everything else. And then I do a Scottish benediction at the end because I think it's great. And, uh, and so, um, I would, and so, um, and, oh, I should also say, and we do a song of reflection where I just put on a song and we just, I invite them in the time after poetry just to sit and reflect and pray. And that's our time together. And, and for, uh, the breaking of the bread and the juice, uh, we just, you know, wash our hands. We had one person kind of break it and, um, and people came up and uh, like one at a time, and we did our best, like, best to social distance and adhere to all the guidelines in the midst of it. And everybody, everybody was great with it. So, and when they're sitting, they sit far apart. So that's how we did it. I, I would say that you um, can experiment and have fun with it. Um, and at least to me, it felt it feels very meaningful. The, that experience is wonderful. Yeah, I I, I think. Um there's there's some beautiful things that can happen in these small spaces and um so if you can think about preaching being more of a conversation um around scripture as opposed to proclamation um or if you can think of the liturgy being as being more participatory than instituted so what Mitch is describing is there is a framework but people were invited to participate in that framework so i know a lot of people who have been um you know they'll they'll invite people to bring their chairs, their blankets, their picnics, their, um, uh, their, even the elements for communion, right? So that, that there isn't even a shared, uh, loaf, um, to bring, uh, markers and paper so that during the prayer of confession, like what is one word that you want to lift up during the prayer of confession? And then their family right chooses what that is and writes it down and holds it up. Like there's, there's ways that people are able to just uh, invited to tell a story 
um, about where they saw God at work in the, in the world today or in their neighborhood. Like there's lots of ways to invite people to participate. And the beautiful thing about this is what you are automatically doing is you are creating a DNA of participators in the work of the people, the liturgy, which is the work of the people, right? Um, As opposed to being consumers of religious services, which will serve you well down the line because people understand themselves as part of something that they participate in and that they have something to offer and they will be more courageous in the future to be participators and offerers as opposed to consumers. I just want to, I just want to second that as much as I can. I think that's spot on Shannon. And I'm not sure where everybody is in the church planting process. Um, but, but the empowerment of laity and, um, and living into this participatory culture and empowering laity, the sooner that you can build that into the DNA, um, the better. Because I've been there in the sense where I've taken everything on my shoulders. And if it didn't go well, it was because I didn't do something. That is exhausting and you will burn out. Um, it's not a matter of if you will, it's when you will. And so, so the more that you can empower, you can invite people to participate. You can, um, you know, Linda Hill has a TED talk about uh, collective genius about leadership style around collective genius in 17 minutes, if you want to look it up. Um, but really, your job as pastor is, is much more setting the stage for others to be able to participate rather than you performing. Um, and so, so set that stage. You know, do what you have to to set the stage to see to empower the saints and to to allow for them to live into uh, their calling. Um, and and this is one one wonderful way. So thanks, Shannon, for for saying that. I just really wanted to to hit that home. Yeah, and that includes children too. Like we we had this picture of like, um, well, that's all fine and good, but what if children are in the mix? Isn't isn't going to be really chaotic? And it will. It can be a little bit chaotic in the backyard. It's not going to be like this quiet, serene thing all the time. But children can pray. Children can offer up stories. Children can do some beautiful blessing of, uh, of, of, of mom and dad there on the blanket. I mean, it really think about, you know, allowing them to the voice as well. Absolutely. The, the church I planted is still doing messy church, but they're doing it via Zoom and delivering the kits of stuff. Um, and the families are just loving it. It's a really great ministry. So think of the kids, think of everybody in the community, see all the people and, um, and use that to listen and to love and to serve and to gather and grow. So I'm so grateful for you guys, for all your wisdom and insight, for your faithful ministry and for your time today. So any final tips or words before we let you go to your next Zoom call? <laughs> go play and ha- have fun. Experience God's goodness in every square inch of creation. Be curious. Go and, go and unlock goodness. Mm. Don't think of the, the landscape in which we find ourselves in as full of barriers. Think of it as full of starting points for ways that we can um, really live out um, bearing witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, The barriers are starting points. Amen. All right. Well, go in peace, guys. And um, again, thank you, Mitch and Shannon. Hey, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. We had a great time. Loved being with you. We love you and what you do. You guys are awesome. Take care. All right. Take care. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.